Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richard's Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, I'm the sports editor at Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Brian Murphy and Justin Thomas. Uh, after devoting last week to previewing and breaking down the girls' basketball playoffs, we are going to stick with the basketball postseason, except taking a look at the happenings on the boys' side, because the boys' basketball playoffs begin tonight. We're recording this on a Monday. They start tonight. They really get going in earnest, though, tomorrow. We have, like, I mean, of all the games that we have to cover, I think, like, 10, like 90% of them mm-hmm. <laughs> start uh, start tomorrow night. A huge, huge start to the uh, to the boys' basketball postseason. So let's break it down. We're going to do, um, as we did last week, we're going to look at 6A and 5A. We're going to go region by region, um, at least as far as the regions that pertain to our school. So region 1 and region 2 for both classifications. We're going to do four line changes on this or whatnot, so a lot of different people funneling, it, funneling in and out. And um, yeah, let's start uh, over in 6A with, uh, with region 1. A, uh, certainly the region that if you're just looking for probably the most top heavy region in the in the state at least from a state ranking standpoint you not only have number one but you have number two and number three in the latest uh, in the final uh, Texas Association of Basketball Coaches state poll with number one Duncanville number two Denton Geyer and number three North Crowley Um, so yeah so just on that premise alone you're going to have two of the top three teams in the state not make it to the state tournament because that region is just loaded at the top but yeah nevertheless let's talk about the teams that are within our coverage area and that is of course Louisville ISD and Justin as we return to as you as well as Capel as well as Capel if there's any of these uh, of these teams that could potentially upset the apple cart of one of those juggernauts at some point in the postseason uh, let's see the Louisville ISD participants are um, actually pretty similar to the ones on the girls side you have Hebron and Louisville and then you have Capel Capel fresh off that district uh, 6-6-8 championship they draw Keller Timber Creek which had to win a play-in game to book its playoff spot so let's start there Justin the, uh, the Cowboys I don't know how much the uh, a district championship seemed like the, uh, the the expectation heading into this new district for them this year. But nevertheless, talk a bit about the Cowboys, the role that they're on, and just what's in store in the first round for them. Yeah, it wasn't an expectation for me when you look at a couple players that they were anticipating having on the roster this year. One ends up getting injured, K.J. Liggins, and mm-hmm. then another one ends up transferring out, uh, Quavian Adger. And then they have a first-year coach as well, so a lot of kind of uncertainty, at least you know, from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. But... Um, when you watch this team play, then and once you kind of saw the season get rolling, then I don't think it's a surprise that they're the district champs. They're um, they have a you know a great senior leader point guard Tariq Amand, and you know they play great defense. They're really tough to score on. That's kind of what they hang their hat on. Um, so yeah, they're back in the playoffs. You know they made the second round last year and, mm-hmm. and lost a. Uh, to a tough Rockwell team that was just shooting lights out that game. If and I recall, and as one of the best players in the country, yeah, Sam Williamson. Um, 
So yeah, they're back, looking for more, looking to get back to the second round again, and I think they're in a good spot here against um, Timber Creek. As you mentioned, they had to beat Keller in a play-in game. Um, they actually lost to Keller to need the play-in game and then beat them in the play-in game to get back mm-hmm. their spot. So um, looks like this could be a, a defensive-minded game. Timber Creek doesn't look like they you know, really light up the scoreboard or anything. So I think it's a game that could set up pretty well for Coppell here, and they're going to have home field at home court advantage, excuse mm-hmm. me. It does make for a fascinating what if as to what this Capel team could have been capable of. If they had those yeah, two guys, yeah. Um, let's see. I don't know. I mean, yeah, what do you think the ceiling? I mean, you saw this team last year. I mean, do you feel like this is a team that, you know, at, if they were at full strength, could have potentially, and who knows, they still might, but yeah. I mean, could have really done some serious damage, though, in the postseason. Yeah, because, you know, those are two guys that would have been big scoring at scoring additions for them, but I still think this team with defensively, yeah. you know, has what it takes. They're going to be in games. Like, they've played, you know, some, they played a really tough non-district schedule, and they played some very t- good teams, including Rockwell, uh, very tightly, so I think they can, you know, their defense is going to mm. keep them in games. You look at their potential playoff path, if they were to beat Timber Creek, they would get the winner of Mansfield Lake Ridge versus Lake Highlands, and um, and then the uh, the juiciest one would be in the third round, where they would potentially draw. Yeah. They draw somebody ranked in the top ten, yeah. most likely, because perhaps the, perhaps the most overqualified second-round matchup in the state this postseason is potentially Denton Geyer, number two, against Richardson-Pierce, yeah. number nine. So, wow. yeah, you've got two of the best players in the country headlining mm-hmm. that matchup with Davion Harmon, and then, of course, Jalen Wilson, also for Geyer, yeah. but then Drew Timmy with uh, with Pierce. Uh, and, district uh, foe for Coppell last year. Yeah. And uh, so if Capel can get a couple rounds deep, then they'll get to potentially test their medal against one of the absolute best in the state. Um, let's see. Let's look at um, on Louisville ISD's side of the uh, of the bracket. You have a uh, Hebron, a team that uh, has had a bit of a checkered recent history in uh, yeah. in terms of how the uh, the postseason has treated them. They're not in the one seed, so yeah. hey, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Yeah, fourth year in the playoffs in a row for them. But like you said, the last two years they were district champions and end up getting bounced in the first round. So. This year, they're the third seed. Um, you know, they were kind of right in the mix. Some good games with Coppell mm-hmm. and Louisville just kind of, you know, settled for third. Um, they have one of the funnest players to watch, Logan McLaughlin. Okay. He um, he can shoot it from anywhere. He'll pull up from anywhere. But he also will flash a nice dunk on you if you're not expecting it. So he's mm-hmm. really fun to watch. Um, they play Byron Nelson. They're going to play 7.30 Tuesday at Denton Ryan. This is going to be a rematch of a non-district game. Mm-hmm. They actually played the first game of the season, and Byron Nelson won 51-44. But Hebron was a different-looking team then. They didn't have some of their football guys, especially yeah. Darius Snowback. And <coughs> another team that has a new head coach, so the, you know some growing pains early. So I'm not reading into that result too much. And it was a close game either way. So... Um, so I don't know a whole lot about Byron Nelson, mm-hmm. to be honest, but so I'm not exactly sure how this one's going to set up for Hebron, but I mean, I like the way the Hawks are playing. They were right in there with those Louisville, you know, they lost in overtime to Louisville, lost that close game to Coppell. Um, they have a capable scorer, and it's another good team that plays defense, and as long as they can do a good job of rebounding, I think then, then they're going to be in a good spot too. Okay. How about uh, with Louisville? They draw Southlake Carroll, um, a team that they've shared a district with in the past. Um, yeah, so Louisville, second place in, uh, in District 66A. What do you foresee in the Farmers in their, in their return to the playoffs? Well, Louisville was right in the hunt with Capel for the district championship going down into the, the last week, and then they lost their last two games, and they didn't have you know their standout freshman, Keontae George, in either of those games. He was b- battling illness when they beat Hebron. He actually, you know, 
didn't have his best game there until mm-hmm. he drilled two po- three pointers in the overtime to get the win. But he ends up not playing the last two games. They lose those games, so they end up settling for second. Um, he's been at practice. He's day to day, so I'm not sure if he's going to be able to play in this one mm-hmm. against South Lake tomorrow, which would you know obviously shape things shake things up for them a lot. But um, still, plenty of talent over there. Kylan Green, the sophomore guard, um, little arm transfer KJ Pruitt, who yeah. you're going to hear from in a little bit, and. <laughs> Excuse me, OC Gertman, another like athletic guard. So they still have plenty of talent. They um, they have still have scoring available. You know they're going to try to get up and down. They're going to try to force Southlake into turnovers and pressure them. And it's going to be a different if Keontae is not able to play. I mean the guy's averaging 21 points a game. So, <laughs> um, and then Carroll comes in. They have a kind of a standout scorer of their own, Brandon Haddock. He's scoring over 22 points a game. Wow. So he's up in the top 10 in the area and scoring too. So. Um, Louisville's going to have their hands full trying to contain him. See, so, yeah, we'll get to Region 2 in earnest in a bit, but obviously, Brian, with you here, wanted to at least pick your brain for a little bit on one of our Region 2 programs, and that being Prosper. Prosper, which is now, uh, what, they've made the playoffs in every every team sport so far this season. Yeah. Them and Allen are the only two schools in 9-6A to have made the playoffs in all four <coughs> standings-based sports. And in, like, half of those sports, we pro- projected them not to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. It, you know, and... What do we know? <laughs> If I would have told you Prosper was going to make the playoffs after graduating its best player from last year, Zach Reitzel, Mm -hmm. who's killing it at Loyola University right now as a a true freshman. Um, They graduate Tavian White, their big 6'8 post player, a starter. They have a bunch of new guys coming in. And, you know, they still make the playoffs in that brutal district. You know, Coach Jonathan Ellis, he tweeted out the other day, I thought it was funny. He said, what a whirlwind this coaching gig is, especially these past two weeks, but can't imagine doing anything else. And he put all caps, playoffs 2019 with a little smirk emoji. Because <laughs> no no one was picking them to make the playoffs in that district. You know, it was kind of going to maybe be a rebuilding year or something along those lines, especially making that transition. to. And their non-district results kind of aligned with that expectation. Exactly. But yeah. then... Mondo Battle enters the equation yeah, mid-season. Mond- Mondo Battle has <laughs> been a, a beast down low uh, for the Eagles, and you know he helps lead them to you know their most notable win was an overtime win against Jesuit. Mm-hmm. So they are capable of getting that big win. So South Garland, they should watch out. I've seen South Garland play this year mm-hmm. uh, as well when they played Little Um, a game that in which they lost, a game in which they blew a lead uh, that they had at halftime. You know they were just outplayed completely in the second half. Yeah, you have Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, you have Chris Harris, and those two guys are awesome. Tyrese yeah. Maxey is phenomenal. Uh, you know the Kentucky signee, but I, you know I wouldn't I wouldn't write Prosper off just mm-hmm. yet. I, that you, like I said, we've been they've been they've proven that they can win the big game. You know they've been going through the gauntlet. They've been playing Allen twice. They played yeah. Jesuit twice. They, the Plano schools are no sl- are no slouch uh, at all. So they've been playing tough competition. South Garland, you know that may not be the toughest. District basketball district, you know, outside uh, of the boys' uh, side is pretty pretty quality. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't sleep on the on the quality of ten six the boys' district. Not as tough as what Prosper was having to play, mm-hmm. you know, on, on a nightly basis. But you know, when you have Tyrese Max and you have Chris Harris, you know, two D one uh, guys that will be playing good minutes at, at the D one level next year. You know, that, that's that's still a tough first round draw. So should 
should be more entertaining than what some people are given uh, prospect credit for. I think this because it's where like the playoffs are really when you get to see the strength of a district really flesh mm-hmm. out. Like you're seeing that with uh, you know with nine six a on the girls side right now, where three of the four playoff teams are now playing in the third round, um, and y- you really I-, I think that there's a chance though that this could because you know nine six a versus ten six a has been you know it's the, the by district results of favor nine six a more times than not. I think that boys basketball though is a chance where uh, the, the playing field could level out a bit. As far as, I mean, I mean, at the very least, I'm anticipating that, I mean, Allen, as good a season as Allen's had, I think that Wiley can give them a game, and I think that Plano West and Lake hmm. Centennial can be a, a solid game as well. And, yeah, who knows with what, um, you know, with whatever, uh, you know, Prosper's able to, able to, I mean, you know, Devin Hassan was talking about how South, how South Garland, you know, not too far removed from having this really checkered history in the, uh, you know, in the playoffs and whatnot. So, uh, so we'll see. I know that's a program that does have, you know, state tournament yeah, expectations after, especially for getting there last year and getting a taste of that with what, you know, Tyrese Maxey and Chris Harris were able to do, and them falling uh, falling just short mm-hmm. of uh, in that pursuit. But um, nevertheless, yeah, it should be a uh, should be a fun one. Hoping, uh, yeah, hope we get a, a nice little a nice little star-studded first round between these two districts. And I think that yeah, you could get maybe a bit more competitive than the results have been in mm-hmm. some of these other sports between the two. Um, and yeah, that's a good way to transition to I guess getting into that region in uh, in earnest. We are going to bring in Taylor Raglan and Devin Hassan to help break down six A Region Two, and we will do so in just a moment. And let's continue our discussion of the Class 6A boys basketball playoffs. Uh, for this, we're going to be talking Region 2, and we have, uh, I guess, swapped in Devin Hassan as well as Taylor Raglan to, uh, to join on the festivities. So, gentlemen, let's, uh, let's go. Let's talk some Region 2, a region that, uh, just looking over the brackets and the state rankings, certainly one of the, uh, one of the more talented regions, I think we could say, as far as uh, some teams that you can um, you know, have a legit discussion about as far as having state championship aspirations. This, uh, this region has, uh, what, let's see, what, six teams ranked in the state's top 17, yeah. <laughs> including three in the top 10. Um, yeah, I mean, the story of, uh, of this region is seems all season, at least from our vantage point, Taylor, has been the dynamic between Allen and Jesuit. Yeah. Um, you know, these two teams were, uh, you kind of learned early on that they were the uh, the two to watch in District 96A, and that certainly uh, turned out to be the case as they as they tied for first place, um, albeit Jesuit with the with the head-to-head, the two head-to-head victories over Allen. They um, they get the one seed, Allen gets the two seed, and looking at um, at this road for Allen, um, you know, Allen, the, the reigning Class 6A state champions, and if they uh, had any visions of getting back to San Antonio? Um, yeah, they're going to have to earn it because mm-hmm. the uh, the playoff path from the uh, the two seed out of nine six A is um, it's a tricky one to put it mildly. <laughs> Even I mean, starting with the first round, I mean they they, uh, they kick off their playoff run tonight. Actually, uh, recording this on Monday, they kick it off tonight uh, from Richardson Pierce against Wiley, a, a team that isn't ranked but was ranked for the majority of the yeah. preseason, and uh, a team that knows Allen all too well, given that they've shared. Shared the, the same district for the past two seasons. I mean, you think last year with what um, with what Allen was able to accomplish, and consider that both those games against Wiley went down to the wire, and both were decided by three points. Allen won both, but obviously something about that Wiley style of play gave it the very least last year's Allen team some uh, some fits. Um, so, and it is kind of odd because you have that dynamic where in the first round, a lot of times you're getting a, an opponent that you've just you've never seen before. So there's supposed to be that uh, you know that that lack of familiarity. There. Mm-hmm. Where you're having a kind of oh, not a not necessarily game plan on the fly, but you're you're strategizing for something brand new. You know that's not the case with Wiley. Wiley is very familiar with what Allen does, 
and it's um you know for fans who remember those games last year not a lot's changed about this Wiley team you know they return um they return the bulk of their of their key contributors from that team last season and I mean there's a chance that uh, this game could be um, a little bit tougher than uh, than Allen might anticipate out of a first round matchup and, and one quick note on Wiley uh, John Achibe yes is their outstanding <laughs> scorer I mean this is a guy who's capable of putting he had several thirty point games during mm-hmm. the course of the season and when you have a dynamic scorer like that that can get hot in one game that can that can be a difference maker at times mm-hmm. oh yeah I mean District Six Six A learned all too well what John Achibe is <laughs> capable of he was named the newcomer of the year last season as a uh, as a junior um, you know but it's it is a much different Allen team than the one that uh, that had its ups and downs you know playing Wiley last season um, this team is it's one thing that I, I think works to Allen's favor in this is that there's been one Allen's only lost three games all season Allen's this is despite you know the, the one state last year they graduated four of their five starters they still somehow had a better regular season than what they did last year a 32 and three record tied with North Crowley for the best um, winning percentage in um you know in the in the 6a Metroplex this season and that um but but those three losses came against two teams Denton mm-hmm. Geyer and then twice to Jesuit now both Geyer and Jesuit have a, a bit of a commonality and that's they uh, they both have some size mm-hmm. have some size in the middle this is not a big Allen team you know they don't have a traditional center um and it's a lot of uh, you know so that and that is kind of given Allen some fits you know the Jacoby Coles and the Julius Marbles of the world team you know guys that could really feast inside on Allen um, it looks like this Wiley team though is a bit more a bit more to Allen's profile from a from a physical standpoint you know not a lot of you know nothing uh, no no sheer size just a lot of athleticism a lot of six three six four six five kind of guys and um, so you get two teams that kind of on paper look pretty similar from a stylistic profile and um, yeah so if I mean if Allen is able to get past, uh, you know, Wiley tonight. Then you're looking, you know, down the road at potentially uh, drawing uh, Killeen Shoemaker in the second round, the district champion out of twelve out of twelve six A, ranked number t- number uh, seventeen in the state. Um, and then you've got potentially a third round matchup looming with uh, with Rockwall, yeah. number eight in the state. I mean, it is it is a gauntlet to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, if Allen's even gonna, if Allen has visions on even just getting to the regional tournament, period. I mean, it's it is uh, it is going to be some tough sledding <laughs> out of uh, out of six A region two. Um, then you have a team like Plano West, you know, yep. which placed as the uh, as the third seed in District Nine Six A. They get another team that you know. There's also going to be some familiarity there mm-hmm. with against uh, Garland Lakeview Centennial. Um, Taylor, you've covered this West team in and out this season. Just kind of talk a bit about the Wolves and uh, at least a, an early look at this matchup Tuesday with uh, with the Patriots. Well, I think the the important thing is. There is familiarity. Um, West won, I believe it might have been the season opener for, oh, yeah, for both it teams. It was yeah. 71-55 over Lakeview Centennial, but that was November 9th or, or something, you know, way, way early in the season, obviously, where, you know, that result doesn't really hold up if you're trying to just look at, you know, and, and predict what this game mm-hmm. might be like. Because Lakeview Centennial was missing a lot of football guys. Um, you know, they were they were obviously without some of their key pieces. So, you know, even head coach Anthony Morgan at West said that, you know, that's not really indicative of mm-hmm. what he expects, um, you know, Tuesday to, to be like. Um, you know, it, for West, it, it, last year was a one-man show, <laughs> and this year it's been a little bit of a two-man show, I think, with Dalen Miner and Ryan Zambi. Yeah. Um, Dalen Miner's been healthy all year, uh, which is big for him. He wasn't last season, obviously. Um, you know, we've talked several times on this, point guard, or on this podcast that, you know, he's a true point guard. Uh, he does a really good job both scoring the basketball and distributing the basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if they get... Uh, the pair of them going, they're usually tough to beat. I mean, they were 7-2, and two, I believe, in their last nine district games, so they come in hot. 
Um, they come in against the Lakeview Centennial team that, that Morgan said wants to run it a little bit and mm-hmm. wants to get out and, and go and, and be a little up-tempo. I think West is pretty comfortable with that. Um, we'll see. I mean, West tried to uh, play a little bit of a slower game against Allen just because Allen, um, you know, likes to do that as well and, and is so efficient scoring the basketball mm-hmm. that you kind of have to do that. And it didn't really work out against Allen. So, you know, maybe a shift to, you know, let's run with them. Let's be up-tempo. Let's lean on some of these athletes that we have. Ryan Zambi, tremendous athlete. Dalen Miner, really good with the basketball in his hands, which is, you know, uh, something Morgan said that, you know, he's very comfortable with Miner leading that offense. So, you know, I'm expecting a good one. Definitely not a 16-point <laughs> differential, no. I don't think, between these two teams. It should be up-tempo. Um, you know, it should be a fun one. And, and if Plano West can not lean too heavily on one guy and, and can control the pace a little bit without letting it get out of control, mm-hmm. uh, without letting it be too up-tempo and, and kind of get buried, then, then it is, uh, it's possible for them to uh, to move on. The football thing works both ways because Plano West was missing, you know, two of its yeah, know, or yeah. three, four best players. You mentioned yeah. Dalen Miner. Dalen Miner playing football as is Shamar yeah. Pearl, their, yep. their anchor inside. So, yeah, it's going to be a very, very different-looking Plano West team for sure in their, uh, in their playoff opener. One quick, I just want to go back to Allen because one quick thing. I mean, with Allen, really kind of the, the big-picture question for them is, you know, if they um, are able to, um, if they have visions of getting out of Region 2, it could very well mean confronting Jesuit mm-hmm. once again, which has been uh, the bugaboo for them this it season. It would be a regional final, right? It would be the regional final. Yeah. It is very it is very akin to a, a road that Allen has traveled before, having a team in its own district that you know they lose twice to during the regular season and then meeting them in the regional finals. It happened with Plano West when Plano West won its first ever state championship back in 2015. It happened last year with Denton yep. Geyer. And there's some, uh, you know, even though they were able to, uh, you know, uh, get rid of a uh, get rid of Denton Geyer, not have to share a district with that juggernaut again. Um, Jesuit has kind of been the, uh, you're kind of in the same spot as you were last season with a, uh, a Jesuit team that the first game was hyper-competitive. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Stevens just went bonkers, had 42 points. Allen still lost by six mm-hmm. at home. Um, and Marble wasn't and Marble, playing. yeah, Marble didn't. He played maybe two minutes in that game. So, yep. yeah, and then I mean, because that was the game. It was only Allen's second loss of the season at the mm-hmm. time. So you're thinking, okay, like pretty much every there, you can circle a game more so than uh, than Allen did that Jesuit rematch. Is yep. they put all of their eggs in? Okay, this is you know their chance to get a little bit of redemption there. Um, granted, having to travel to Jesuit, which is a very difficult yes. place to play, tough place to play, and, win. and then they got hammered by yep. Jesuit at full strength. Lost by what was it, 17, 19 yeah, points? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't close. It, it wasn't a contest. And now, so you're at a point now where if you're Allen, like, does it, is it just a bad style matchup for them? Because I think that watching, it is weird, like, kind of like the, the dynamic between Allen, West, and Jesuit. Mm-hmm. Three teams that were, I mean, hands down the three best teams in District mm-hmm. 96A. But you look at just kind of how they all fared head to head. You know, Jesuit swept Allen. Mm-hmm. You know, despite these two teams being neck and neck in the state rankings, Jesuit swept Allen and left little doubt that they're, mm-hmm. they're the superior team at the very least, head to head in that second meeting. Meeting Allen, meanwhile, beat the tar out of West both games, yep. pulled away big in the fourth quarter in each of them, and then you had West and Jesuit split their head to head series. And the one the Jesuit won, I think, was by like five. Yeah. It wasn't like they were, you know. Blown so there out. is. It really is the embodiment of the cliche styles make fights. To whereas while like Allen is a better. Team than Plano West, mm-hmm. 
Jesuit just might be a better matchup for uh, yeah. for Weston Allen because it might be just the lack of having that true uh, that true post player like a Shamar Pearl that yep. you can throw at Julius Marble because despite all the talent at Allen, there was just a stylistic problem there against mm-hmm. Jesuit, and it might require something akin to what they had to do last year against Guyer, where they just have to go think just above and beyond and just go completely outside the box with whatever game plan if they are to run into Jesuit for a for a third time because um, yeah, I was just because I, I wasn't I wasn't there for that second game. I was on vacation at the time, and I was very very surprised though to see the Jesuit handled them yep. as well as they did. Long way off. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. Like you mentioned, the depth of this region. That's that Allen Jesuit most likely three, three, third time likely won't happen. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough. Road. <laughs> it's, it's it's a tough there's road. a good chance that neither one of those teams even makes the regional tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or re- makes the regional final because yes. it would require. Because you look at like if form does hold in this region, you're looking at a third round matchups potentially Allen Rockwall mm-hmm. and South Garland versus uh, versus Jesuit. Um, hey, who knows? Maybe Jesuit gets tripped up by Saxy. <laughs> Let's we <laughs> can shift gears to you now, Devin. Because yeah, this is the game that you're that you're going to be uh, you're going to be out on Tuesday. Um, you know the Saxy boys. What a uh, what a resurgent campaign for them to uh, to validate that with a playoff berth now. Granted, it means drawing a district champion that's ranked you know what top uh, what top five in the state or whatnot. I mean, yeah, so just four. number four, yeah. So just talk a bit about at the very least what this uh, Saxy team is looking like heading into the playoffs and what um I don't know what you're kind of expecting on Tuesday. You know, it's it's been a nice story all season long. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, first year head coach Zach Mikesell comes over from Lakeview, uh, inherits a program that won just two games overall mm-hmm. last season, one district game. Uh, program that's really struggled in recent years and, and he was determined to, to turn things around quickly and he's done just mm-hmm. that uh, they played some good you know competition in non-district and was able to build some confidence we talked we just talked about Plano West well Saxe has a win over Plano West mm-hmm. and, and wins over and, you know similar kind of victories uh, early on kind of taught them how to win a, a program that just you know these kids just hadn't had much success and that carried over to district play uh, you know they're not going to wow you they don't have one of these stars of the region uh, as some of these other programs do mm-hmm. but they're solid throughout they're, I mean their guard rotation is, is, is their strength with Tyler Blue and Jordan Nichols uh, Obi Onya uh, sophomore Dylan McKeon has come on and and made a really nice contribution. He had perhaps the moment of the year when he had a uh, last-second three to beat Wiley by one point. Okay. Uh, and that was one of those pivotal games in terms of them making the playoffs. Uh, not as deep on the inside, an area that may Herman once they get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Chris Sellers has has been has done a good job there uh, in the middle. Zaleon Clark is a sophomore that's come on and given him some good minutes. But, again, not quite the depth. Uh, on the inside, but again, they they played some good teams in, in, in non-district. I think 106A is a solid district. It is top oh, yeah. to bottom uh, when you're having to oh, compete yeah. against South Carolina and Lakeview and Wiley, uh, and even teams like Rowlett and North, and North mm-hmm. Carolina who are mm-hmm. more capable. Jesuit, though, <laughs> I mean, I know you guys have seen them play. Uh, you They're know, good. You <laughs> know, you mentioned and Ju- not being deep inside is a bad place you, to be. You mentioned Jesuit. Julius Marble and, yeah. and a versatile six eight. Yeah. Guy that's going to yeah. put up a double double mm-hmm. is not something I don't think Saxe. I mean, Saxe is going to have to double team him. Yeah. They're, they're going to have to do something to slow him down, and then Jesuit just turns to yeah. you know Everybody else Mac Abbas so, or yeah. you know, any of those other guards. Yep. You know, Gavin Perryman or it's the ultimate pick your poison it's, team yep. because Marble is such a force inside, but they just sur- it's it's basically a four out you know style offense where they just have surrounded him with an army of three point shooters. And Max Abbas is going to win the district MVP in District yeah. Nine Six A. We talk all about Marble being this matchup problem. Max Abbas. Is what makes that team go, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's you really just have to pick your poison because if it's not marble.
horrible, then it's Gavin Perryman, it's Max Abemis, Connor Wilson. They've just got a ton of guys that can hurt you from the yeah. outside. So it's, it's a tall task. I mean, this is a sexy team. Again, they're, they're back in the playoffs for the first time since 2016. They're not just happy to be there. I mean, that, that, was, yeah. that was goal number one was to make it back. But goal number two was to, to, to try to make some noise. And albeit, they may draw one of the, the toughest first-round mm-hmm. assignments out there. But they're, they're a team that's going to be prepared. They've proven that all, year, all season long. And they're going to come out with a good game plan. They've had a week to probably been looking at Jesuit for over a week since they knew they were going to be the four seed, yeah. um, you know, to, you know, pretty late in the district year. So, you know, I think they're going to come out firing. I think they're going to throw it, you know, throw their best shot early. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it's if they can get out to a good start and build confidence in game, start putting that upset bug, you know, in Jesuit's head, who knows? But mm-hmm. it's going it's to be tough. The interesting <laughs> thing is that's that's kind of what Jesuit's done to everybody this year, though. It's like you game plan for them. Maybe you have an okay first half. You're within yeah. a couple possessions. you got to worry about the third quarter. And then all of a sudden they're up by 15 at yeah. the end of the third. And yeah. you're like, what happened? And, and that's actually got to keep it close because yep. they don't have the type of game that that's you know going to be able to come back from yep. double digit deficits you know late in the second half so let's talk about uh mesquite the old skeeters yeah back Mes- in the playoffs yes back after having their 15 year run snapped last year in a play-in game that was this was the goal uh, all season long and they clinched second place with um with plenty of time to spare i mean some might say they're limping into the playoffs they've lost lost back-to-back games mm-hmm. uh you know, 65, 62 to Horn, 57, 55 to Heath. So it wasn't like they were blown out. And again, their spot was already solidified. So you, you wonder if they were kind of tweaking, maybe giving some kids mm-hmm. some some other playing time. Uh, it's a very capable Mesquite team. I mean, early on, they, they beat pl- uh, playoff teams like Lakeview and Sachse. Uh, even if you look at five, some of, a couple of 5A contenders, they beat Frisco Liberty. They beat Frisco Lone Star, two teams that are, are you know, regional tournament, state tournament contenders mm-hmm. down there. So they're, they're very capable. You know, Cody LeBlanc, um, is a guy that uh, just unlimited range. He had one of the best offensive performances I've seen this year. Um, early on against North Mesquite, I mean, he's just a guy. He averages about 17, 18 points a game, but he's capable of 30, 35, 40 points mm-hmm. uh, and just a, a lights-out shooter. Uh, Grant Stewart uh, is kind of their energizer guy in the middle of 6'6", plays with a lot of emotion. Uh, team kind of feeds off him. He's capable of a of a double-double every night, too. And they have some other nice pieces. DeAndre Heath is a very nice guard. He kind of runs the offense, uh, sets up the other guys. Braylon Hall's come on strong recently. Um, and Atheon Wool's kind of one of those doesn't show up in the stat sheet but does all the other little things and kind of comes through uh, uh, with in those areas so you know, I think Mesquite is kind of flying under the radar. They were state-ranked uh, for a couple weeks this mm-hmm. year, yep. uh, but they've been a little up and down, even throughout the district slate, uh, with a couple losses to Heath. And, and But they did beat Rockwall, you know, in their yep. second meeting. And I mentioned the, the, those early non-district wins. Uh, they play a Waco Midway team that don't know too much about. Um, I, I believe, you know, Diego Gonzalez is a, as a, as a guard uh, that, that I'd heard of early in the season when people when Midway was playing some tournaments. Uh, they're a little banged up otherwise, I think, at the guard position. But the key here is going to be in the middle. Uh, they have uh, Levi Whitten, a six-eight center or post, mm-hmm. and uh, God's gift is Adima. I'm just going to guess. I, I got the God's gift part though right because that's pretty easy to say. But he's a six-seven <laughs> post. So when you got two guys that tall running against a Mesquite team uh, that has Grant Stewart at six-six, but not a lot of height yeah. after that, and so that's going to be, I guess, probably the key to the game right there is Grant Stewart. I mentioned he's an energetic guy, but he gets in some of these high-energy games and. And, uh, has a tendency to get in foul trouble early on, and when you you're going against two big posts like that, you can't afford to have him out of the game and having to run a bunch of 6'7", 
6'2 and 6'3 guys uh, with that kind of height difference. So, again, it's a midway team we don't know too much about. Uh, we don't know too much about 12-6A. Uh, you mentioned Shoemaker. Uh, Waco Midway actually was tied for second in that district heading into the, to the finale mm-hmm. and then lost their finale to fall back to the third seed. So, you know, I think they're a very capable team. Waco Midway all around their athletic programs, you know, they, they're always solid yeah. uh, in all sports. So, you know, I expect a pretty even matchup as you would from a two versus three seed. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. That The winner gets uh, South Carolina or Prosper. So, It does seem impossible to say that there's an on-paper favorite to come out of this region. As, as <laughs> yeah, loaded as it is. No way. You have yeah. four teams in the top ten, and you can make a strong case for any of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Oh and, and as we've, we've seen from some of those other results, you know, I mentioned Mesquite knocking off Rockwall. Mm. Um, I, I think, you know, Plano West has, has some good wins. Mm-hmm. You know, Including Rockwall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 think, I think, you know, you look at, you know, there's four, you know, prohibitive favorites, but there's a lot of teams. They can't look ahead to think, okay, this is, we're going to have these marquee matchups mm-hmm. in the yeah. regional in regional quarters because, you know, there's a lot of teams there that can, they can trip you up. Leave that to dopes <laughs> like us to prognosticate <laughs> yeah. on that stuff. <laughs> and that is a look at, uh, at Region 2 6A, certainly one of the more star-studded regions that will be covering throughout the uh, the high school basketball postseason. I'm going to shift gears to 5A talk in a sec, but first that student-athlete spotlight. Got to shine that, and for this one, Justin Thomas went out to Louisville to talk with K.J. Pruitt. The uh, the Farmers are back in the playoffs ready to embark on their postseason campaign. Uh, Justin had a chance to catch up with K.J. Pruitt, talk a bit about that season and his progress in his first season with Louisville, and we will see what he had to say after a word from the sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, we're here with KJ Pruitt, junior guard for the Louisville Fighting Farmers. KJ, thanks for taking a few minutes to join us here on the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. No problem. Well, congratulations on uh, making it to the playoffs. I know you guys are getting ready for a big game with the Dragons on Tuesday, so uh, just talk about how things have finished up for you and kind of the mindset of the team going into this uh, playoff game. I mean, really, I mean, uh, we're just really preparing for our first playoff uh, game last year. You know, it was a little different. They didn't make the playoffs. It was just a different year. Yeah. But now with different coaches, you know, new players, I mean, we're just really just trying to get experience and see what we can do tomorrow, get a dub. You mentioned last year, um, pretty dramatic turnaround for you guys finishing in last place and then coming all the way up and getting up to second place this year um what is it about this team what what do you think this team uh how are you able to have this success so so far i mean really i say like coach miller and coach watson pushing us real hard in practice and like us like seeing like last year like what happened like it can't happen again like we Mm -hmm. we got you know i came keontae came you know players like matured yeah and we just like just really just turned it around and we got second. I mean, really could have got first. Yeah, you're... But, you know, it, things happen. But, I mean, we got second from last year. Yeah. Know, last and district behind Irving. I mean, that's kind of... So you mentioned you arriving. You spent your first two years at Little Elm. What's it been like uh, coming over here to Louisville this season? I mean, really just coming back home. I mean... Because you were here during middle school, you said? Yeah, I went to Huffines, sixth to eighth grade. I was living in Louisville my whole life. And then I went to Little Elm, played for Coach Siegler, played with RJ. And then, like, last year in the summer, around, like, the end of the school year, I was, mm-hmm. I was talking to my dad, and I was coming to open gym up here. And, like, Coach Miller, you know, he had just came, and him and Coach Watson were telling me, like, how I could, like, really change things and how things could be different. I could lead a team. And, like, he was just telling me, like, it could prepare me for college. Mm-hmm. And I just took it and 
took off from there. So you have a pretty young team, and at least in terms of kind of experience playing with each other coming into the year, what were your guys' expectations? Are you guys surprised at all at how you've performed throughout the year, or is this kind of what you guys were expecting? I mean, really, you have like two, maybe three returning varsity players like from last year, and everybody else is from JV. So like yeah. me thinking, you know, like even I was just my junior year, I mean, really, I was like, uh, I don't know like how it will look, you know, because, I mean, they wanted me to lead, and I'm a junior, so I was like, mm-hmm. I'm only been in it for two years, but I mean, I took on the leadership role. I led us. I mean, you got Keontae, a freshman, played really, really well. I mean, so it was just, it was just different. I didn't expect it. Like, yeah. it was really different. You know, I was just like, let's keep it going. How would you describe this team? What is it like when you look at your team? How would you, how would you describe you guys? I say we're a transition team. When we're playing fast, we're getting up and down. I feel like that's when we're at our peak. Like, you know, we're athletic. Yeah. We run. I feel like that's when we're at our best is when we're in transition. Talk a little bit about the district you guys came out of and how you feel that's kind of prepared you guys for the postseason here. I mean, really, we lost our first district game to Coppell by a buzzer beater. And then we lost to Hebron by a buzzer beater. Then we <laughs> lost to MacArthur by last five seconds left in the game. So I really feel like those games, like, prepared us, like, I mean, it's really on us. Like, yeah. Because when we play Coppell again, we beat them by like 15 plus. So I was just like, it's really how we come out and play. Like, we were letting teams come out on us, and we was in the games with other teams. We really weren't ourselves. But when we're in transition, like I said, like, all the games we won, I think we went like 10 and 4 or something like that in district. I feel like that's when we're at our best. I'm sure you've got to starting to look at Southlake a little bit. What do you kind of see from your opponent coming up tomorrow, and how are you guys kind of approaching this game? Really, we're just preparing for um, number 20 or number 10. Whenever, I think number 20 is a good guard. Haddock. Yeah, we're just preparing for him. Like, you know, he shoots a lot. Like, we're just really maintaining on him. You know, they got some other good players, I mean, some shooters, but really we're just trying to prepare for them in their zone that they'll be in. What's it going to take in these playoffs for you guys to look back and th- feel like you accomplished your goals and, and took care of what you needed to do? Really just take care of business. Like, we've been going really hard in practice. Like, if we translate everything we're doing in practice to tomorrow and then say who knows next round, like, every, everything will go good. I feel like we'll be, we'll be up there, especially changing history around here. I know that. All right, KJ, anything else you wanted to mention? No, just going to get ready for tomorrow. Well, we appreciate you joining us on the Star Local Media Podcast. And if you guys want to check out the farmers, you can see them tomorrow at Grapevine. Thank you. Thanks, KJ. Thanks again to KJ Proof for taking the time to chat with Justin for our student athlete spotlight. And with that, let's continue talking. Uh, let's continue previewing the boys' basketball playoffs. And with that, we're now going to shift gears to Class 5A and a look at Region 1. We've only got two schools in Region 1 within our coverage area, but two pretty high-profile programs. Mm-hmm. Um, both teams finished the uh, finished the year ranked in, I guess, the state's top 11. Both were in the top 10 for a good portion of the season. Um, the final state rankings, though, have Little Elm at number 10 and the Colony at number 11. And how fitting, considering how closely contested those two games were between the uh, mm-hmm. the Cougars and the Lobos. So, um, and honestly, like you look at how that ended up affecting the layout of this, uh, you know, the playoff seedings and how the the brackets look, and you might say that it actually is 
perhaps a bit more to the colony's advantage to have gotten that third seed versus let alone being in second place when you look at the the playoff road for both uh, programs. So let's start with the Cougars. You know, Justin, they uh, they draw. Hey, same same team the girls drew in the first round, right? Yep. Colleyville Heritage. Heritage, yes. So um, we'll see. That game was actually pretty uh, pretty competitive, that, wasn't it? The girls' game. They were down by four points with forty five seconds left and finished on an eight zero run. Wow, that's really tough yeah. to do. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> I don't know. So you know, just real quick. Yeah. Then they had an awesome comeback again. They were down 12 in the third quarter on Friday, come mm-hmm. back and win. And so I'll be out there tonight when they play Mansfield Legacy, and I'm pretty excited for this game. Yeah, but I mean, anyway. it's, uh, all sorts of uh, all sorts of positive mojo going yeah. throughout the Colonies basketball programs right now. Can the boys keep it rolling? Just talk a bit about the Cougars, who enter as the third seed out of District 8-5A as yeah. they prep for their own matchup against Colleyville Heritage. Yeah, so Colleyville obviously finishes second. They're going to play 7 o'clock Tuesday out at Louisville. So, um... Second year in a row for uh, Colleyville Heritage, but it's a team that hasn't won a playoff game since 2013. Um, Second year in a row for the Colony as well. Their last playoff win came back in 2016. Um, You know, they've been a state-ranked team, you know, top 10, top 15 Mm -hmm. all year. You look in the district, you know, they only lost four games in district. They lost four games to two to Northwest, two to Little Elm. Those f- they lost those four games by a combined nine points, all four games. So, wow. you know, like every game was either one point, two point, yeah. or three points. So, you know, they're right there from, you know, possibly being the district mm-hmm. champs. Um, they're super experienced. They have a trio of seniors, Bryce Oakpo, Luis Rodriguez, and Garen Davis, who you guys have seen on the podcast recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they play good defense. Keith Miller is like, Playing really well, the you know the football standout. Yeah, he's big. Yeah, man. I, he's I, big. So I, obviously I saw him in the football season. You know, yeah. with pads on from afar. You, you don't look as big. When I saw them play Little Elm, you know, last week, I mean, Keith Miller, is yeah, massive. And he's he's only boys, a junior. He can score in the paint. Yeah. Um, you know, they have a, their fifth starter, Terry Moser, can hit some outside shots. They're going to play good defense under mm-hmm. Coach Ryan and pretty balanced. Um, looking at Heritage, you know, they have a, a player that's scoring 21 points a game, Baylor Hebb, so I'm sure that's going to be the Colony's focus defensively. Not too sure, you know, how about how he goes about scoring his points, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, just looking at the box scores, he had numerous games of, of more than 30 points. So he definitely seems like a player that can, you know, carry a team to a victory, so they're going to have to, you know, slow him down, and I'm, guess, I'm guessing that's what their focus is going to start on. Little Elm. Let's talk about Little Elm, Brian. The Lobos are uh, back in the playoffs. Once again, mm-hmm. they enter as the number two seed out of District 8-5A. Uh, much like the Colony, you know, very, very competitive back and forth between them. You know, those two, plus uh, Justin Northwest, which mm-hmm. got the top seed. Um, it's been a, you know, the Little Elm season definitely took a, uh, the narrative definitely changed yeah. down the home stretch. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about that and just kind of how the Lobos are faring as they embark on another playoff run. Their level of play on the court hasn't changed mm-hmm. since what you're alluding to, the departure of, of Trey White, uh, with just three games left in the district season. You know, one of the games that they played after White left was against Northwest. Yeah. And they'd beaten them prior in the first meeting at Northwest. The rematch at Little Elm went to overtime, and they fouled a three-point shooter. In the final seconds, Northwest wins by three in overtime. So the, the anti-colony game. <laughs> and, and the same thing happened in Little Elm's favor the next game when they played the colony when Luis Rodriguez maybe fouled R.J. Hampton. It was close, uh, but not quite. But, yeah, anyway, so, you know, they were very close to beating Northwest twice mm-hmm. this season. They've beaten South Garland. They've, you know, they've beaten the Colony twice. You know, they've beaten 
some great teams. And what I'm kind of getting at here, I'm not trying to overlook Grapevine, <laughs> but the Achilles heel of this little on program in the last few years has been that second round. And, you know, they, they, they've gotten by the first round. You know, they've beaten Wakeland and whatnot in the first rounds over the past couple of years. But then once the second round hits, we all know what happened against West Mesquite two years ago. We all know what happened, you know, at A&M Commerce when they played Mount Pleasant two years ago. Mount Pleasant hit every single three-pointer they shot. Not really, but it felt that way. Uh, Little Elm was the better team, but they lost that game. And it's only fitting that if they happen to beat Grapevine tomorrow, they will have to play the number three team in the state. (laughs) In Mansfield-Timberview. Just a basketball powerhouse on the boys' and girls' side. And man, it's they should have lost to the Colony. <laughs> they should have just let them <laughs> win, or, or, or they should have lost that last game against Broswell. But you know, to to be the best, you have to beat the best, and they've beaten some of the best teams in the state mm-hmm. already this season. So I, I don't think they're looking at Timberview as like, oh, great, you know, the second you know second round woes are really going to hit us this year. But that that's going to be interesting to see. That is a, you know, th- th- it could be a, fr- a Friday night matchup, second round in. Well, can they get over that second round hump against the number three team in the state? Mm-hmm. Well, I hope they can because if they can and the Colony can get to the third be round, third round. What, what a juicy matchup uh-huh. that would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The biggest, perhaps the biggest installment yeah. of that rivalry. Mm-hmm. And tra- so Trey White, history. Trey White, he was averaging 16 points, 9 rebounds. And if you're looking at the numbers, you know, if a couple of these guys just step up, just you know, boost their scoring average just by a couple points. Like guys like Brandon Crossley, who we mm-hmm. know, uh, a football stud going to Colorado State, he's the most athletic player on the basketball team. He'll guard your, their best you know, perimeter player. If he can just get a couple more shots in a game. Will Harris, another football stud, mm-hmm. six foot six, you know, combo type forward, post player type guy. If he can get a couple more buckets. Draylon Rose, another football stud <laughs> who's taken now that starting role. He's you know, he's a wide body. He's a big man, six three. He he plays bigger than he is too. Uh, if he can get a couple more shots in the paint, get a couple more rebounds and then it also helps when you have, you know, RJ Hampton averaging thirty two points per game. You know, it, it, he averages close to a triple double. I don't know how accurate those stats are, <laughs> but he's more than capable of dropping, you know, a 30, 40 point triple double any given night. Last year's 5A player of the year, you know, right there with Tyrese Maxey as the best player in the state, in my opinion. So when you have him, anything is possible. But, you know, you got to get by Grapevine first, and then that second round matchup that has been just killer for a little on these last two seasons uh, should be going down against one of the top teams in the state. Should mm-hmm. be fun. Let's uh, let's we can pivot now to uh, to round out the podcast with a look at Region Two over in Class Five A. Obviously, Brian, you've got plenty of teams that are in that region, so we'll keep you on board. And now we'll bring in Devin Hassan and Taylor Ragland to round out that part of the podcast, and we will do so in just a moment. All right, and welcome back. We've done another line change. I'm still here. I'm Brian Murphy, as you know. But we brought in Taylor Ragland, uh, Devin Hassan here. Uh, for the final segment, we're going to be talking Five A Region Two boys playoff picture here. You know, have a lot of teams. A lot of AKA the Brian it's, it's, segment of the program. It's pretty much the Frisco region. Uh, you know, four Frisco teams are in this thing. Frisco Liberty, Frisco High, Frisco Wakeland, and Frisco Lone Star. Uh, Frisco Lone Star is actually tipping off tonight. The, you know, the rare Monday night game. They're facing Denison. Don't know too much about Denison. Should be a good matchup. Uh, Lone Star tied with Frisco Liberty for uh, the district title in uh, District 95A, uh, but I'll be there at that game, so I'll, I'll get the, the full lowdown if y'all want to follow me on Twitter on that one, at Brian Murphy underscore for live uh, tweets and updates there. Um, let's kinda, we also have Carrollton Newman-Smith in this district. Yeah. I know that's, that's JT's jurisdiction there. Uh, they play Dallas Spruce. 
you know, don't know much about them. That could be a, a winnable game for for, for, for Newman yeah. Smith. Yeah, yeah for Newman Smith, and then they would have the daunting task of facing uh, McKinney North and Wakeland. You know, um, uh, Kendrick Johnson is our McKinney guy. He's been ranting and raving about McKinney North uh, boys basketball, not girls basketball, but boys basketball all uh, all season long. Yep. You know, they dominated uh, District Ten Five A. They'll take on uh, Wakeland. Wakeland kind of. A surprise team in the Frisco District getting in there as that four seed. Mm. A really young team, loaded, you know, with freshmen and sophomores that play yep. play really, really heavy minutes there. I I don't know. I don't know. If the, I've, I'm hearing things that that could be a blowout, but I think Wakeland can can keep it uh, a little bit, a little close. It seems like one of those games where maybe like um, you know you don't want to say Wakeland's happy to be in the postseason because you know mm-hmm. Wakeland obviously is a school that has a lot of tradition and a lot of success and a lot of different sports. So anytime they get in the postseason, they're trying to make a little noise. They're trying the most, to advance. They have the most state titles. Yeah. out of any other Frisco team. But you look at McKinney North and, and like you said, the things that Kendrick's been saying all all season about these Bulldogs. I mean, they they swept the other McKinney ISD schools, Boyd and McKinney. Um, really good game, OT game with McKinney um, that North ended up winning. Uh, obviously cruised through their district, um, you know, a district championship. And it seems like they have kind of a, a little bit of a two-headed monster. They have talent, it seems like, all over the court. But, you know, Chris Busey, it seems like, has been really good from the perimeter. Um, really good shooting the basketball. He had a big shot against McKinney uh, to help send that one to overtime, I believe. Um, you know, he's a senior. He's a leader. Uh, it seems like he's having a really good season after, I believe, not playing a whole lot uh, in his career up to this point, mm-hmm. um, but really has come on strong. And then Brandon Fraser inside, a junior uh, post, you know, big man that's that's been pretty dominant throughout. It seems like he's had multiple games, you know, 20-plus, and, and uh, it seems like he's a problem inside to deal with. So, you know, it, it seems like one of those slam-dunk first-round matchups where, you know, McKinney North's just been cruising and, and kind of beating up on everybody, but... You know, you never know, but I, I would I would think that the Bulldogs just you know how good they've been, how consistent they've been. Um, they have threats kind of all over the floor, so I, I would think that they take down Wakeland. But as you said, you never know. You never know. Back in November, they had wins over Prosper, mm-hmm. uh, other playoff teams like Mesquite, Poteet, who we'll talk about here uh, in a sec. But those November games, you know, it's hard to gauge. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, they maybe not didn't have some of their their football guys or some other teams. Prosper wasn't didn't have um, Mondo Battle yeah. uh, for that game, but. You know, still nonetheless, those are still quality programs. But that leads me to Mosquito Poteet. They're playing Ennis <laughs> in the first round. I think it's in DeSoto, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. And what's what's kind of going on with Poteet heading into the playoffs? You know, Poteet is almost an overlooked team um, just because of the side of the region. You know, we talk about the Frisco schools, uh, and obviously they match up with McKinney North. Well, Poteet falls on the other side of that region. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get the, the East Texas and, and like like Ennis in the first round. Uh, so it's, it's kind of hard to, to measure up uh, just because they're kind of an outlier in terms of the teams or, or the way the region is set up. Uh, but I, I like uh, I like this Poteet team. Um, DJ Basie is a 6'9 post. Um, he can score 32 points in their season finale uh, against Kaufman. Uh, he doesn't usually score that much, but he does average mm-hmm. about 13 points a game. Uh, pulls down eight rebounds, blocks four shots. So, you know the kind of production you expect from mm-hmm. a, from a kid with not just that six nine, but you know long wingspan. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and he gives him a presence. He's shooting 76 percent from the field. Uh, so that tells you that you know most of his uh, shot attempts are dunks, layups, putbacks. You know he does most of his damage right around the rim. Uh, Tyler Jones is a senior point guard who runs the offense. He also scores. He's, he averages 10 to 12 points a game, uh, leads the team in assists. Uh, really cool down the, down the stretch. 
and also uh, and the games that I've seen them play uh, this season have been close, but uh, when it gets down to the last two minutes, he's got the ball in his hands, and he delivers. He shoots 80% from the free throw line, which is a huge thing to have. Mm-hmm. A go-to guy from the Chariots drive. How many games have we seen lost when teams are going 8-20 sure. of 20 in the fourth quarter from the free mm-hmm. throw line when they're getting fouled? So um, outside of those two, they got a lot of good role players um, where a lot of different people can step up at a given time. Uh, Javante Valdez is, is, has been a really good three-point shooter for them. Uh, Lewis Moore, Jalen Alexander, uh, you know, Javante Police, uh, King Moore has come on uh, and added some depth along with DJ Basie at forward. So, you know, they, they've got a solid team there to, to, you know, maybe put together a run. You look at what the Poteet girls uh, have done. Not many people talked about them, but they're one of the teams in the regional quarterfinals. But it was hard to project because their road went through Midlothian. And then mm-hmm. Jacksonville. And, you know, you look at Potis Road, and it's similar. Ennis is a team. They're 11 and 18. So you wonder, is that record uh, mm-hmm. indicative because they're battle-tested from a very tough district? Mm-hmm. Or is that record, you know, explain who they really are? Right. Uh, you know, so it's, it's really hard to kind of project how good Ennis is going to be. Uh, and then the same thing goes in that next round where you have, uh, you know, 16-5A champion Lufkin or Lindale. Mm-hmm. What you know, teams that, that don't come to this part of the to the area, uh, but yet you see them in the second round of this region, just mm-hmm. the way it's drawn up. So you know, maybe Poti, just like the girls, uh, you know, if they get past Ennis, you can go give them a fighting chance against one of those other East Texas schools, and, and they may be one of the teams that we're talking about next week in the regional quarterfinals. Sure, Frisco against Lovejoy. That yep. matchup kind of intrigues me for multiple reasons. So Frisco starting off district. They had an overtime win against Liberty. And mm-hmm. we all know what Liberty's been doing. We'll talk about them here in a little bit in their matchup against Princeton. But, you know, Frisco, they started off hot. They were in first place. I think they won their first five games. And then they, they strung together some bad losses. Yeah. They lost to Wakeland. They even lost to Memorial, uh, an up-and-coming program there in Frisco, a non-playoff team. But they finished off the district season strong. They closed it out with a win over Lone Star mm-hmm. in the very final game of district. They, Like I said, they've beaten Liberty. Now they've beaten Lone Star. They finished 12-6, and six, the number three seed in 9-5A. And there's just something about this Frisco team that, you know, they're beatable, but mm-hmm. they're also so dangerous yeah. at the same time. And I, and I think, you know, Lovejoy, you know, Lovejoy finished second in that district. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, th- I think it's a tough first-round draw for Lovejoy. Yeah, uh, they finished second, obviously, only to McKinney North, mm-hmm. um, who, as we mentioned, cruised through through that district. Um, Lovejoy has played Frisco a couple times uh, and beaten Frisco a couple times this mm-hmm. season. I believe the, the most recent was, you know, right after Christmas and those holiday tournaments. So a little bit indicative, maybe. You know, by that time, usually, you know, teams are, are you know, fully stocked and, and kind of gearing up for the second half of district. In the Frisco district's case, I mean, they may have already started. <laughs> who knows with their schedule. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, the vibe that I, I haven't been out to see uh, Lovejoy this season, but the vibe that I get from them is, you know, they're a program that made the postseason last year, got bounced in the first round, really young, kind of, you know, akin to a Wakeland, um, you know, really young, good, but just not quite ready to take that next step, maybe. Um, and this season, they return, um, I think, their top four scorers. Uh, they have, like, seven seniors. They're led by, you know, senior Kyle Olson, I think, is, is a pretty uh, big leader for them. Um, and it, it just seems like maybe they're, they're that team that's ready to take that next step. You know, they, they make the postseason, they grow up a little bit, they get a little chemistry, they bring back basically everybody, um, you know, and then you go into the playoffs with a different level of expectation. And I think, you know, they're going to enter pretty confident, um, hopefully not overconfident if you're if you're a Lovejoy fan from uh, those two victories over Frisco. But it seems like Lovejoy is pretty balanced. Um, 
playing well. Uh, obviously, a, a good district performance outside of those losses to uh, McKinney North, which seemed like the, the juggernaut of that league. So, yeah, it should be an interesting one, man. You never know, though. You never know. This is one of those where I think you could flip a coin. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's going to be tight. It, it can literally go either way. Frisco, they have a win over McKinney North mm-hmm. in non-district play also this year. I just, they played Prosper tough. Uh, early in or late in November, I should say. You just never know what first team like you're going to get. Sounds like they're all over the place. Yeah, it might be exactly. It's, it might on both sides. It might be which team shows up. Yeah. Does the Frisco team that's competed with all these high profile teams show up? Yeah. Uh, does the Lovejoy team that's that's ready to take the next step show up? Or are they you know because they don't have a lot of playoff experience? Even though they return everybody, you know they got bounced in the first round last year. So are they actually ready to take that next step? So it, it may depend on both sides which which program you get. Or is it the Frisco team that lost by? one to Reedy, a non-playoff team or lost, like I said, to Memorial. But then you turn around and you you beat Liberty in overtime and you also beat Lone Star to close out the the season. I, I mean... It's like a box of chocolates. You'll never know what you're going to get with, with, with Frisco. Oh but it should be, should be a good one. And rounding out you know, the Frisco action, uh, Liberty against Princeton. Liberty, they close out district on a nine-game winning streak. Uh, Zion Richardson, last season's 13-5A district MVP. He mm-hmm. is balling right now. He could be the, the front runner once again uh, for that accolade. He dropped 40 points in the season finale against Frisco Heritage to, to seal the uh, co-district championship. With Lone Star, Lone Star lost. Obviously, their last game to Frisco, so they tied uh, in co-district champions. And it didn't look like Liberty was gonna, you know, have a shot at the co-district championship. You know, Lone Star was rolling. They, you know, Liberty had lost to Lone Star pretty badly early in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, they lost to Frisco in overtime in the in the season uh, opener. But they are red hot. You know, you have probably the best player in the district. You know, balling out of his mind. And I think Liberty, they could they can make a nice little run here. I'm, I'm projecting them to beat Princeton, and then you know the next round would be against Kimball or Conrad. I, I would take my chances with Liberty there, and you know Liberty hasn't had some success, you know, in these opening rounds of the playoffs, or I should say, in the second round of the playoffs. We'll see mm-hmm. uh, how that goes. So you, you called your shot with a Liberty and Lone Star uh, girls regional final. Are you are you going to? Uh... Well, I was going to save that for our next <laughs> podcast as a teaser for for our next show later this week. Yeah, no, the Liberty girls and Lone Star girls. There's still a few games to play, but yeah. I'm fully expecting them to play uh, Saturday at two o'clock, I believe, at the Cole Center well, again, in the regional I, final. The, the boys, are you? Are you mentioning that prediction on the boys' side? Is what I'm. That would be fun. That, <laughs> that, would be, that would be one heck of a story, you know. After if that happened and the girls happened, then I could mesh those together and something crazy could happen. But you know, that's that's still we're still we're still many, we haven't even got to the first round. I could push you on the spot just yet. We're not still, even past by district for the boys. So. I say that now. Lone Star is going to lose tonight. Liberty's going to lose tomorrow. <laughs> and all that's for not. So, but we'll see, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more uh, later this week about uh, you know potential Liberty Lone Star girls uh, showdown in the regional final, but still many games to play. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for our boys discussions. Make, make sure to stay tuned later this week for our girls discussion reactions from the third round. There's a lot of juicy third round uh, matchups: Plano, Prosper, Liberty, Centennial. That's not a lock uh, right there. So make sure to stay tuned for that later this week. That's Taylor Raglan. I'm Brian Murphy. Devin Hassan, we'll talk to you then. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. 
Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.